Welcome to Questions That Matter, a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute. I'm your host, Randy Newman, and my conversation partner today is Brett McCracken. Uh, Brett is a senior editor for the Gospel Coalition. He is a recent author of the book, The Wisdom Pyramid. Uh, he, He writes a great deal about art and creativity and beauty, and especially about film. Uh, Brett, welcome to Questions That Matter. Thanks so much for having me, Randy. I'm looking forward to this. You know, um, I, I've been, uh, I, I really enjoy your columns on the uh, Gospel Coalition. Uh, you, you challenge me to think um, uh, more expansively about how to grow as a Christian through, particularly through beauty and art and mm-hmm. film. Um, you, yep. You've written this book, uh, The Wisdom Pyramid. G- can you give us just a little bit of, uh, what do you mean by that wisdom pyramid? Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, the short kind of d- summary is if if you can picture the food pyramid graphic, which was kind of when we were growing up in grade school, it was used to help us learn what a balanced diet looked like for our physical well-being, for our physical health, kind of what food groups were conducive to that. So I'm basically taking that concept and applying it to wisdom. What, what are the knowledge groups, if you will, that are conducive to a life of wisdom and kind of how do we orient our diet, so to speak, around sources that are nourishing and nutritious and, and you know, making sure that we're not <laughs> binging kind of on junk food or building our diet around unhealthy sources, which sadly, I think a lot of us are doing in the digital age, which is kind of like the problem that I felt like I wanted to address in this book. So yeah, your your book. Uh, yeah, your your book looks at the problem, uh, sources of our sickness, is the section of your first book, and it's about taking in too much digital media, spending too much time on our phones, yeah. and um, <clears throat> I, I I just thought your insight about that was really very helpful. Uh, I wasn't thinking though that we'd spend a whole lot of time on that side of the coin good, so to speak good, good. It's too depressing anyway so let's well well i will say you did a really great interview with colin hansen on the gospel coalition that that mm-hmm. seemed to look at that so yeah. for our listeners i i recommend that you go there but in the the second part of your book which is actually the the larger part you you say well so now where's the sources of our wisdom and obviously the things are uh the bible the church yeah. um you know other people fellowship with other christians but but there were three chapters that I want to zoom in on of yeah. nature, books, and beauty. And in particular, mm-hmm. I want to spend mm-hmm. most of our attention on this beauty. How yeah. how does art and beauty contribute toward us growing more and more Christ-like? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, we could literally talk for hours about that, I'm sure, Randy. Um, I'm, I've given so much thought to that question in my own life as someone who um, just intuitively sensed that that was true, just growing up in the church, growing up a Christian, but, but also growing up loving the arts. And, you know, ever since I can remember, I, I loved movies, I loved literature and fiction, and even going to art museums and music, of course. Um, So, and I always, and I always felt like, man, there's something there's something spiritually enriching about this as, as much as the, those categories of the arts and faith can be 
put in opposition to each other in in ways that make it sort of oppositional. For me, in my life growing up, it never felt that way. It always felt like there was actually more harmony there and more kind of just intuitive connection with beauty and faith. Um, so when I when I came to write this book and I was thinking about the categories of of knowledge that I wanted to talk about as sources of wisdom, I knew that beauty was going to have to be one of the the big categories and one of one of the chapters that I looked forward to writing the most uh, was writing the chapter on beauty. So, I mean, there's a lot of directions I could go right now in, in describing what what's in that <laughs> chapter on beauty in the book. But for me, one of the big things that it boils down to is this idea that wisdom is not merely a cerebral thing. It's not just facts to pack into your brain. Um, and, and, and knowledge to just kind of file away like data. Wisdom involves that, but it also involves kind of that affective le- level, that emotional kind of sensory tactile level, right? God created us to be more than just brains on sticks. <laughs> uh, he created us as full-bodied kind of creatures who uh, have eyes to see and ears to hear and fingers to to touch and you know senses to experience creation to experience the world that he created and he did that for a reason and you know another big idea here is that we are creators too right by virtue of being created in God's image and and one thing we know about God is that he's a creator he's a he's an artisan right the, the world is his masterpiece it's just it's inherent to God's character and his being this idea of creation and creativity so bearing his image as humans that's a huge part of it so if we want to understand humans we want to understand the world we have to understand creativity we have to practice creativity we have to kind of um, process the world creatively and appreciate it and taste and see you know that god is good as psalm 90 psalm 34 8 says so I'll stop there and let you kind of talk or follow up. But there's, I mean, there's so much we could say sure. about, about this. <laughs> well, you know, um, you don't, I, you probably don't know this. I, I think some of our listeners know. I, I was a music major in my undergraduate mm. days a million mm-hmm. years ago, um, but I didn't become a Christian until halfway through my college experience. So mm. for the first half of my college experience, I... As I look back at it now, I, I worshipped music. Yeah. I was looking for music to do more than it could do. Yeah, And it was a colossal disappointment. Uh, I should say a series of many, many disappointments. Um, and, and the pivot right. came for me with C.S. Lewis's mm-hmm. insight that yeah. there are always these disappointments. And yeah. then his classic statement, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world could satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Mm. And so, Mm -hmm. but at first I had to kind of disconnect from music a little bit because I I, I really was Mm. worshiping and idolizing it. But then after a while, I was able to come back to music and so appreciate it Mm-hmm. as a second thing. If you keep it a second thing, it's tremendously beneficial and enjoyable and mm-hmm. growth inducing as long as you don't make it an ultimate thing. And if you do worship it, it 
it's dissatisfying and yeah. and and it becomes ugly in a sense. Yeah. Um, so so but but maybe zoom in a little bit. What what is it that art does to us? Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm looking at it from the other way of yeah. we we are living out God's image bearing mm-hmm. as we create. But how about yeah. from the other side, from the receiving right. side? How does it affect us? Yeah, and that's the side that I kind of that's my my entry point with the arts really is as a as a enjoyer appreciator consumer curator so um i have a lot to say about this um you know what you were just talking about with like um worshiping music and worshiping the arts i think that's an easy thing to do because the arts they they're kind of charged with with transcendence right like there is an an aspect to it that feels otherworldly and and I think that's part of the clue to, I think, why it's important for us in Christian wisdom, because ultimately beauty, I see it as a signpost to to the source, right? And to use kind of C.S. Lewis's language, he talks about, you know, he, he, in various places he talks about like, like the beauty that we experience in this life is just kind of um, downstream from the source of beauty, capital B, beauty that it is it's the fountainhead it's somewhere beyond and we, we we sense that it exists because all of all of this beauty that filters down to us in little ways if that feels so um transcendent or kind of pricks us in this way that tunes our hearts to something beyond ourselves beyond this world then it, we're, we, we just feel like there's got to be something something that this is coming from. I, one of my favorite lines from C.S. Lewis's work is "Until we have faces," and I think it's um, psyche is is it's something about like um, the sweetest thing in all of my life has been the longing for for the, the mm. place where mm. the beauty comes from, um, and I think that kind of captures so much of Lewis's thought, which has been really influential for me in thinking through beauty from a theological point of view. Like every human, I think at some point or another has an experience of beauty, whether it's, whether it's beauty in nature, whether it's seeing a sunset and kind of that, that just mystical, like sense that there's something going on in watching the sunset that, Mm. that transcends every culture, every human, no matter where you are in the world, finds some, something meaningful about that, or whether it's music, whatever cultural expression of music you're talking about or um you know a movie whatever like at some point in your life you probably can name this experience of beauty where you're left longing for the deeper beauty the 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 source of beauty that that causes these encounters with it in in this life um and so i think that's why surrounding ourselves with beauty is is surrounding ourselves with this this knowledge that there's something transcendent beyond there's and it's it's a beneficent it's a kind it's a good something you know that that would would let us have these brushes with transcendence through through music and and you know poetry and visual art and all these things um so yeah i mean i i I was talking to a journalist a couple years ago who was a non-Christian, very secular kind of hipster journalist. And she was, we were talking about music and um, she was, she told the story of going to a 
rock concert, it was this band animal collective. And she was saying like, yeah, I had this weird experience. I don't believe in God. I don't, I don't believe in religion or any of that. But like when I'm at this concert, I just had this spiritual feeling like it was like transcendence. It, it was, it was like a, a knowledge of something beyond. And I told her like, yeah, exactly. Like this is, this is what I, as a Christian who loves the arts and loves beauty and loves animal collective concerts, just like you, this is what I name, you know, <laughs> I name this like God, a good, abundant, gratuitous, loving God has bestowed his creatures with common grace to such an extent that they can create beauty themselves that manifests his own kind of character and his own beauty. So it's, I think, and this gets to your book, Randy, right? That you're talking about evangelism and beauty. Like, I think there's so many opportunities with beauty to kind of bridge conversations with, with non-Christians, with secular friends, because everyone loves the arts. Everyone loves beauty in different ways, different genres, but um, it's just inherently, there's something spiritually interesting going on there. Hmm. Well, now I need to uh, pay you for inserting that commercial for my book into <laughs> this podcast. But but the, the timing may be tricky because the book's not going to be out until September. And I'm pretty oh. sure we'll air this podcast beforehand. But so we'll stay it. tuned, everybody. There's yeah. this book coming out called Mere <laughs> Evangelism, where I look at C.S. Lewis and say, uh, here's mm -hmm. 10 insights about evangelism that we learned from him. I'll return to my conversation on questions that matter in just a second, but I, I would like to invite each and every one of you to prayerfully consider becoming a ministry partner with the C.S. Lewis Institute. Our ministry is about discipleship, discipleship of the heart and mind, helping people love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Um, but as you might guess, a, a ministry of discipleship is not always the most exciting thing that uh, people consider. Um, but we, we believe that your tuning into this podcast probably indicates that you've had very positive experiences and have benefited from the Institute over the years. So please click the button that says donate and become a ministry partner with us. Um, one of the things, you know, so Lewis is so great about giving us these pointers, but then he's very clear to say, but that's not enough. They, yeah. they point us in the right direction and they show us something about the goodness of God, the beauty of God. Yeah. But but we we need to take it several more steps precisely to mm -hmm. who was Jesus? What did he do? What did he do on the cross? What difference right. does that make? Right. Um well, let me turn it uh, into just slightly a negative direction. We won't stay there too long, but but mm -hmm. but um, uh, artists, I think, have had this uh, kind of a difficult relationship with the church. I think mm -hmm. many of them are drawn to it, and yet mm -hmm. at the same time, there's there's kind of like an uncomfortable thing there. And I've heard yeah. you speak about this. What what yeah. what is it about being an artist that is both drawn to but maybe repelled by the church mm -hmm. yeah that's good well i mean <clears throat> i have spoken about this quite a bit so there's a lot i could say um you know artists i think tend to be freedom oriented right they want they want to be able to do anything express anything say anything that's kind of part of being an artist i think 
Um, and yet church and, and faith generally religion has inherent limitations to it, right? It, there are, there are boundaries, both in terms of belief, what's orthodox, what's unorthodox, and in, even in things like community, right? To, to really invest in a church is to limit yourself to kind of say, this is my people. I'm going to put down roots here. I'm not going to be this aimless Jack Kerouac style, you know, wanderer, which artists I think are tend to, tend to like to do. Um, so I think that's why there's sometimes tension that this freedom versus limitations challenge. And yet um, there's also lots of kind of mutually beneficial things with, with artists and churches, of course, you know, for most of Western civilization's history, that relationship was explicit in terms of the church as a patron of the arts, churches commissioning artists, some of the greatest works of architecture, the Sistine Chapel, all these things, right, were, were born out of a, a healthy relationship between the church and artists. And I think artists, like, you know, even if they don't believe in, you know, the Bible as truth, find a lot of inspiration there. There's there's plenty of secular artists out there who can't escape the Bible and kind of Christian imagery in the stories they tell and the, the art that they produce. So it's a vast, deep repository of inspiration for artists, um, the, the Christian story, which is such an epic, epic story. Um, and then I think from the church's point of view, there's so much to be gained from artists and from people who care about beauty um, on, on the practical level, right? Like it's nice to have people in your church who care about um, beauty and how things look and quality and excellence and, and the worship music and the, the look and feel of the worship space and all of those things. Um, and, and it's a shame when I see churches that that don't kind of avail themselves of the artisans and the talented artists in their church for, for those purposes. But I mean, on another level, artists are just good kind of question askers and they're, they're, they're the people in the world who I think are attuned to existence and the wrestles of existence in, in really profound ways, sometimes too much. I would say sometimes artists, I think go too far in, almost turning the wrestles and the struggles of human existence into an end unto themselves, which is unhelpful. Mm -hmm. But to the extent that they're, they're good listeners, they're good observers of the human condition, that's a goldmine for the church. I mean, for pastors, if I'm a pastor trying to like walk someone in my congregation through um, some area of brokenness or pain in their life, I want to have learned from artists and from storytellers and people in the humanities. I, I want to have learned things about humanity that I can take to, to the ministry. Um, so I, even for myself, I'm, I, I'm a part-time pastor. I'm a lay elder at my church. So I do, I do a good bit of like discipling people and having conversations with people. And I've found, I found it to be such a great asset me that that I'm so immersed in the arts because every like amazing film that I watch teaches me something new about the human condition it it gives me more vocabulary for what it means to be a human in an authentic way and even if the answers that these films end, end up giving aren't 
really great Christian answers. The way that they raise the problems and authentically kind of honestly depict the challenges is super helpful. Um, and I think Christians can learn a lot mm. from that. Um, uh, you know, I, I think the distinction you just made there that artists tend to want to go in the direction of freedom mm -hmm. and the church by definition does indeed draw lines. And, you know, this yes. is what we believe. This is truth. This is error. So there, there's an inherent uh, danger or tension there. But, but I, I love the way you say that, no, we, we need each other. Yeah. Uh, so the, the theologian who wants to parse and say, this is right, this is wrong, needs the artist to kind of see dimensions mm -hmm. within that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 went, I went years ago to a, a Christian writers conference, and the guy mm -hmm. who was the, one of the speakers of a workshop was talking about, what, what is it that an artist does or as a writer? What, what, do, what do artists do? And I love this. He said, um, artists tend to linger longer. Mm, <laughs> and e even that sentence is, mm -hmm. is an artistic poetic sentence. Yeah, good um, alliteration. But, the, but the, the artist looks for just a little bit longer and goes, yeah. you know, that blue is slightly different than that blue. Or yes. that, isn't that an interesting choice of font? Or, yeah. um, or did you hear the triangle in that beginning of the third movement of Dvorak's Ninth totally. Symphony? Or... Um, so, uh, I, I, I gravitate toward this. And, and by the way, I have to throw in, um, so look, look at the Bible that God has inspired, certainly mm -hmm. got plenty of doctrine and, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, the epistles, yeah. but it also has the Psalms and it has poetry and the song right. of Solomon. And yeah. we, we, we need all of that. We need story in the yes. narrative. We need the poetry. We need, uh, we need the fantastic images of some of the prophets. Well, go ahead. One, yes. of the, one of the things before I forget that I wanted to say to what you were just talking about, the linger longer idea, mm. um, is that I think it's so much about beauty is inefficient. And that's a good thing. Like <laughs> the arts are not about getting from point A to point B in the most direct like efficient way mm. and as much as that can be frustrating to people who are kind of conditioned to be efficient and to optimize every moment of their day and to to get things you know done which i think protestants the whole protestant work ethic like we tend to be really bad at this uh, which is maybe why catholics have been better at art because protestants have been so oriented around efficiency that we don't we don't make space for beauty which Beauty is inherently, I think, inherently gratuitous, right? It doesn't have to exist. There's nothing essential, arguably, that it does mm. by some definitions of essential. So, yeah, I think that that's something I talk about in the chapter on beauty in the Wisdom Pyramid is the value the, of beauty slowing us down and, and helping us to linger. And, and, and by doing that, focusing our attention in a, especially in a distracted age that we live in where, where our attention is taken, you know, from one thing to the next with rapid pace. And we, we never linger long enough on anything to really digest it. The arts, that's what they do. They focus us. They, they take a frame literally around one little segment of reality and they focus our attention on it. 
Um, that's what a painting is. That's what a poem is. That's what a photograph is. And we need that. We need things that help us slow down and really confront reality in a, in a, in a world where we just rush from thing to thing so quickly. Mm. Now, I realize that every question I ask you could be an hour's worth of <laughs> answers, but, but um, so I, I know that this is ridiculous that I, that I want to ask a question about film. And okay. you, I know you could talk for, for hours about film, yeah. but yep. we don't have hours. But, <laughs> but, but I know it's one of your great loves and one of your expertise. You write so mm -hmm. many film reviews, but, but they're not just reviews. They're almost mm -hmm. like, here's how to watch this film. Just yeah. tell me just a little bit or tell our, our listeners about, so what is it about film? How can mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. contribute toward our spiritual mm -hmm. growth and maturity? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so broad of a question, but and it's uh, like, it's like literally a book that I'll probably write one day. Please do. Um, I, I think it'd be great if you do. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess one thing that comes to mind for me is the, there's a quote from Andre Tarkovsky, who is a great Russian filmmaker, a, a Christian, and he described film as an art form as sculpting in time. Mm, so I, mm -hmm. I love that image. You know, if you can picture a, a physical sculptor, like working with a mound of clay to kind of form something beautiful, a, a cinematic artist works with a, a clump of time. Like time is the media for it's the, the substance that the artist is working with. And so movies, I, the reason why I love movies, I think boils down to this movies confront us with time in a way that really awakens us to the way that we're, we're wired for eternity. And it's kind of, this is why Lewis has been so important for me because he talks in these terms as well, how, you know, we're, we're constantly feeling this tug to, towards eternity, feeling like we were, we're not fully at home in this world. And part mm -hmm. of that feeling of alien alienation in this world has to do with the temporal and the fact that things just when you're enjoying something and just when you're experiencing something beautiful, it's gone, right? The, the sublime like moment of the sun going down beneath the horizon is an instant and then it's gone. Um, you know, some of the most amazing experiences with beauty that we have, you can never replicate it. You can never do it again. Like I, yeah. I get emotional talking about like some of my favorite concerts that I've gone to and, and just the memory of that, like experience of the concert experience. It's, you know, it's almost, too beautiful to to talk about but it has to do with this idea that time marches on it's unidirectional you can only go forward but cinema allows us to traverse through time right a movie kind of it almost lets you play god or experience god's perspective in the sense of like you can time travel you can go back in time to a historical period you can go forward in time to the future you can slice up time in a way that makes us experience, you know, 10 years in the span of a minute of screen time. So mm -hmm. this whole idea of mm -hmm. sculpting in time is a really unique part of what makes film so powerful. I think audiences 
find transcendence in movies so much because it allows them to get a glimpse of what what life is like in in a world where time isn't such a relentless slave driver where it's it's something that we can ma have malleable we can actually take some sort of control over time when we're watching a movie and you can't do that in normal life oh you're right there's there's so much here i i really do hope you will write that book <laughs> perhaps you've heard the story of rosaria butterfield a tenured english professor at syracuse university and a lesbian who became a christian through the long patient witness of ken smith a reformed presbyterian church Maybe you've read Rosaria Butterfield's book, Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Well, we have the great privilege through the C.S. Lewis Institute to hear from both of them, Rosaria Butterfield and Ken Smith, on a live stream event coming on Friday, March 27th at 8 p.m. It'll be a great time to hear some of the behind the scenes stories and just to hear both of their voices of how this connection was first made, what they first thought of each other, and what we as followers of Jesus Christ can learn about interacting with people who may seem very, very different from us. So please go to our website, cslewisinstitute.org slash friendship and register for the event. It's free, but we do need for you to register. Again, that's Friday night, March 27th at 8 p.m. Um, you know, I'm, I'm often uh, struck that um, there are some art forms that um, you can experience them all at once, so to speak. If mm -hmm. you stand in front of a painting or you stand in front of a sculpture, there it is. It's all there. The whole thing's there. And it's not going to change no matter how long you stand there. Yeah. But with film and with uh, music... Hmm. It has to occur in time. Yeah. You can't speed it along. Oh, well, well, you can actually, but that would be horrible. I mean, you could you could fast forward in movies, but but yeah. that's terrible. Or you could just listen to certain segments of the symphony. But but right. if you really want to get it, no, it's right. going to be forty five minutes for a symphony, or two hours for a movie, yeah. or longer. Yeah. And so here's the ironic thing is, it seems to me that when I get into one of those experiences of listening to a symphony or watching a movie, it's so it has to occur in time. Mm. And yet it feels as if time stood still while I was in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, because we're so rarely actually present in time as it unfolds, right? That's, that's kind of one of our Achilles heel aspects of being human is we're already we're always itching to think about the future or dwell mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. past. We're, right. we're hardly ever present in a moment that that is happening. Um, and I think art, these experiences of kind of set duration that you're describing a concert, a, a song, a movie, they're the closest we come to being still and to being present with time. And that's another part of their power, I think. And, and it kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier about beauty as something that slows us down in a hectic world and kind of can, can still us in a frenetic, you know, busy body age. So yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And can I just say it, I'm really <laughs> dismayed at the fact that movies are moving away from 
theaters to mostly being an experience that people have on their computer screen or phone mm. screen because mm. the the temptation there is always to pause constantly while you go make yourself a drink you know fast forward rewind right. just basically take control over the time which is what we do in every other part of our life in the digital age so i i i really suggest like if you really want to appreciate the arts like give yourself over to it and and relinquish your power over it. So go to the movie theater and just sit still in a movie and let it happen to you for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Rather yeah. than just, you know, rather than just consuming it on your terms at home. I I wonder how, when we all, when we all are set free from the pandemic, <laughs> will we go back to movie theaters? I hope so. And, and maybe yeah. even, with a greater appreciation mm -hmm. for them. And yeah. I sure I'm looking forward to that. I, 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 yeah. I want to go back to a live orchestra concert at the Kennedy Center. Right. So bad. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to that. I, I've only gone to two movies in a theater in the last like 11 months. And usually I go to like two movies a week in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm dying on the vine here. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, if I can push it just a little bit into a very pragmatic discipleship, I, I find that staring at a painting or watching very, very carefully, uh, watching a film mm -hmm. or listening very intently to a piece of music, it then has benefits outside of those experiences where I pay attention to life better. Yeah. I, I can focus in on a person I'm talking to better. I yeah. I can read my Bible more carefully because i'm slowing down and looking at right. words and yeah. repeating uh, patterns of words so uh yeah. for those who may be listening and saying boy this sounds very nice i'm really glad these two artist guys you know are <laughs> talking about this but mm -hmm. i think it does have very mm -hmm. very pragmatic benefits yeah. of loving our neighbor loving yeah. the lord um and being more grateful for all that's happening in the life and the space that God has sovereignly chosen for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that that's part of, part of why I included beauty in the wisdom pyramid and even books, you know, in the chapter on books, I don't, what I'm saying about books is not that you're, you, you become wise that by all the content in a book, you can, but really it's about how reading a book can train you to slow down and really process and think, think well. So mm -hmm. beauty functions yeah. in the same way. It's, you know, the wisdom doesn't just come from the content of the beauty. It's, it's just what it does to you as a, as a human and kind of how it kind of can slow you down and help you to help your senses to be sharper um, I think that's the thing about beauty is like books help you become a better thinker. Um, the arts help you become a better sensor, right? A better seer, a better hearer, a better, you know, taster, if you're talking about the culinary arts, right? So, um, yeah, I think that that's why it's good for our wisdom to, to be immersed in beauty because it helps us better better observe and attend to um, the world um, through our senses. 
That's a great phrase there. Attend to the world through our senses. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Well, we could obviously talk a whole lot more, but I'm I'm going to draw this to a close. Uh, I really recommend to our listeners uh, Brett McCracken's new book, uh, The Wisdom Pyramid. I, I hope you'll also check out his blogs and uh, film reviews and articles about the arts on the Gospel Coalition. Brett, is there anything else you want to uh, uh, make sure that uh, you say before we wrap this up? I mean, no, I just thank you for, for having me. This is, we could talk for hours, I'm sure. <laughs> and um, it's one of the, one of the things about like inklings type kindred spirits is you just, you long for, for more opportunities to just sit around a, a pub table in Oxford and, you know, just talk about all this all, all night long. So if we can approximate yeah. that experience through Zoom or whatever we're using now, then I'll take it. But uh, maybe one day we can have a conversation <laughs> in an in-person setting about all this. Well, let me say this in closing. Um, when when we get set free from COVID, Lord willing, soon. Uh, <laughs> so I want to come out to California where you are sometime in, in a January or February where it's miserable here. Yep. and enjoy the weather. And then I want to invite you to come to, uh, to D.C. where uh, quite a few of our art museums are free, uh, part of the uh, awesome. uh, Smithsonian. So mm-hmm. there are times when I'm downtown, mm-hmm. I'll just pop into the National Gallery of Art and look at one painting because I can do it without mm-hmm. feeling like this is costing mm-hmm. me money. Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I've got to make you jealous for what we have because I'm well, I, I am because I do love DC. So I will take you up on that one day. for Okay, sure. that's yeah. a deal. Well, mm-hmm. let me draw this to a close. Once again, uh, we hope uh, that this podcast has been helpful for you. We hope all of our material at the C.S. Lewis Institute's website, cslewisinstitute.org, uh, that all of our materials and this podcast in particular will be helpful for you as you seek to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and